You're listening to The Occupational Philosophers with Simon Banks and John Rice. Welcome to The Occupational Philosophers, a not-so-serious business podcast with myself, Simon Banks, and my co-host and co-producer, John Rice. We catch up every week for a little bit of a mashup of creativity, curiosity, with some philosophy thrown in, exploring how not only is it good for your business, but also good for an interesting life. John, what's happening in your end of town, man? Uh, my end of town, just teenage kids, oh, Simon, tell teenage us about kids. It. So uh, we'll go through that. There's been a, a rapid change. I think people out there will probably notice that uh, our son has, has gone from a joyful young boy to a slightly moodier teenager. And uh, the constant battle at the minute is tidying bedrooms. Yeah. And I heard myself saying something that obviously our parents used to say to us is, yeah, tidy your bedroom. Yeah, I will. I'll do it, Dad. And you go, I'll believe it when I see it, son. And uh, it had me thinking, I believe what I see. But I think sometimes we see what we believe. Is well, that right, John, son? I'm really amazed that you brought that up because that's really what I wanted to talk about today. And <laughs> what a coincidence. <laughs> now, I mean, <laughs> I, know, I, can't, I can't believe that sort of flowed that well. Now, John, I've been reading very interesting books, a books book, which is called Visual Intelligence, Sharpen Your Perception, Change Your Life. And the author is Amy Herman. I actually like to get her on the show. And she's really interesting background. She teaches people to sharpen their perception by looking at works of art. And she works with everyone from the FBI through to, you know, the police departments and high-end organizations all over the world. And when you dive into diving into her work, it's so interesting because she talked we've spoken this around biases and perceptions and filters and you know a little bit of the outrage with the Jackson Pollock episode we've spoken about uh recently as well and look i'll just you know some of the key thoughts are look we all sort our information through perceptual filters and look we it's like say if i give you an outline say um an abstract outline lots of scribbles on a page you and i would both then go fill that in differently we said to color it in what do you see because we all see things differently however we act as if there is often only one way to see and she calls this inattentional blindness and what also we need to consider we all gather information indifferently so we've spoken with dr barbara doran she said we have multiple senses and we move through our skin our eyes you know gustatory olfactory auditory so we all gather the information differently but then once it comes in we all perceive it differently so there's two filters going on there and here's the thing, a great story from the book. Even if you and I are together in a certain situation, we would perceive that same situation differently. And the book, she said, there were two people who from the 9-11 Twin Towers are sort of caught up in that moment, but a husband and wife, both the stories they retold post that completely different. They both noticed different things. They both experienced different things. So we have all of these different perceptual filters going on all at once. Which is, and, and just as you were saying that, I was um, thinking, I hadn't quite thought of it that way. We often hear about filters and biases and things, but you're right. It's whatever we're paying yes. attention to, yeah. maybe in the yeah. physical world. So I might feel a breeze on my face. You might not. You might be more attentive to what yeah. you were seeing in that moment. So my recollection then, and then my interpretation then inside 
will work with whatever stimuli I've taken in in the first place. So that's a huge difference, isn't it? That's why you'd have people report different memories of seemingly the same event because they paid attention. Yeah, to so things. that ability to open up our senses to the world around us. And I think Julian uh, Pagini, when we spoke to him, he said, just pay attention. Yeah, so it goes back and hey. Pay attention. That's just <laughs> what I was thinking, yeah. I just suddenly went, ah, yes, pay attention. And then the second point there then, Simon, is um, the fact that then whatever we have paid attention to, recognise that everybody else is is then interpreting it internally in a very different way to ourselves. And so I suppose the the learn there is to be curious as to how they have interpreted something. Yeah, and her one of her examples in the context was context of us being together in teams and all. Yeah, one of her examples was there was a, a sculpture put up on a a female um, university campus in the states. And it was sort of like an old man in its underwear sort of thing. So, but it got a whole bunch of reactions through to a bit of fun. And have you ever seen ones in those sculptures? They're made of wax. They look really real. Okay, so um, there's like a really a bit of like a really yeah, big yeah. grey, a big. So pretty obvious it was a sculpture, but there was everything from I cannot believe this based on previous experiences I've had with certain things in my life through to oh that's art and sculpture and I like this so we all saw they all saw that thing differently and all took it in differently based on their experiences their life how they might be feeling on the day and all these different things as well so it's no wonder when we talk around change not that I'm a change expert think around how people then perceive change how they take it on and why you get that full bell curve of anything which is new and different yeah, what are they paying attention to? Recognise that they might be paying attention to different things. And then, as you say, the interpretation of it internally is going to be very different. So we need to be conscious of that. There's a whole host of filters and biases, Simon. I mean, there's a lot of work. Yeah, absolutely. This and I'll, area, I'll dive in it? a little bit more from this book. And one of those, the first one, the filter is like we see what we want to see, which is also known as, you know, cognitive bias. Okay. We hear this one a lot. But under that, you know, we gather information selectively. So again, we see what we want to see. And I'm, you know, I'm the same. I'll go out and, you know, I stare at street art all the time where other people wander straight past. Okay. Because there's no interest to them. It's sort of, you know, they walk past it. And that idea of then finding stuff that supports what we already have an idea of or believe in, that's the confirmation bias piece as well, isn't it? Where you start to then see things that further support a belief yeah. you might have. So you go, oh, okay, that supports yeah. what I believe. And uh, we're very selective then in what we pay attention to and then actually what we Yeah, and I do in. this every day. Like I, I'll scan the internet and I'll go, ah, that's in my space of interest. So I'll I'll jump in on it. And also I like this one. I always forget what this is called, but the frequency illusion, which is you, let's say, you know, the great example is you start buying, you're looking for a new car and you see these cars everywhere. Now they are always there, but now our senses <laughs> are more open to them because we're more attuned to them and our attention is there. So, and also I like with this, how we feel also impacts. And there was a study in Holland done with dieters and non-dieters and the same muffin was put in front of them. Now, the dieters thought it was about 50% bigger than the non-dieters. So they saw <laughs> the perception of, oh, God, I want to eat that muffin. I'm hungry or whatever, <laughs> whatever it was. <laughs> was it bigger or were they just standing no, closer No, no, it? it was a, a standardized, it was a standardized, uh, standardized <laughs> test. They weren't 100 meters back. So through that perception of... 
Those muffins are far away. <laughs> Sounds like an episode of Sesame Street, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> Near. Far. I was gonna, no, it's Father. I was thinking of Father Ted. <laughs> so, yeah, we've got we've got those filters there. Then I like the next one is we another filter is we see what we're told to see. And an example she gave is imagine you're looking at an artwork and you read the label first, you then go and see the things which the artwork has in the label has told you. So her advice is, whether it's art or not, uh, look at whatever that thing is first, then seek information on it, and then come back and look at it again. Because if you're looking with the information given to you, you might miss out a bunch of things. And again, it's making me think, obviously, as a not-so-serious business podcast, about how we might sort of work with such knowledge around filters, perceptions, biases, etc., in the work we do in teams or within organizations. I mean, one of the things I'm thinking of, the work with individuals often, if I'm working with 360 feedback, for example, here's a real practical example, but it's really interesting. One of the opening questions I always ask is, what are you noticing? So I'm really keen to understand, although I've read it, and notice things, and I've paid attention to certain things. I asked that question of the individual, and they've noticed something yeah. completely different. What they focused on is completely different to me. And I need to know that, so then I know how to progress in and open up that conversation. And I suspect the same in teams, isn't it? If you have all of those different perspectives, quite nice to be able to say, hey, what are we noticing? What are you noticing? And bring out all of those things that people are paying attention to and work from there. Yeah, it's always an interesting question. The last one I want to just dive into, I hadn't even heard of this before, and this is change blindness. And the example, like change will happen, but we won't even see it because we're not tuned into it. And imagine this, you're, uh, they did these experiments. Someone would stop and ask someone for directions on the street. So someone who's part of the experiment would stop and ask a stranger for directions. Then two people would go between them with an opaque door and say, oh, excuse me. So they couldn't see what's happening on the other side. When the door had gone through, the person there had changed. <laughs> so they're talking to a new person and 53% <laughs> of people didn't notice. Yeah. So <laughs> we're oblivious to this change. They did the same thing with a, a hotel. Someone went behind a hotel desk. They dropped their pen when you're checking in. A new person stands up and half of the people didn't even notice. Like, <laughs> how is that possible? Oh, yeah. gosh. You'd like to think you were in the half that did of notice. Of course. But obviously. Gosh. Yeah. Gosh, wait a minute. <laughs> He didn't have a moustache yeah, a minute see, ago. What? <laughs> <laughs> and that last thing around um, this piece around change, like we might think we see change, but change doesn't always happen in real time. Like a tree changes every day, but we don't notice it. But we might only notice it seasonally or something. But really, that tree is different every day in some tiny form. And then also, the change uh, is never the same. So, like, April 28th one year is completely different to April 28th the other, the next year with that change. So, and I'm going to throw a little bit of please. philosophy in here now, Simon, because on that topic, Heraclitus said, you can never step in the same river twice. And that was his take on change is that it, everything was constantly changing that as you stepped into the stream, how it was flowing, the speed at which it was flowing, that river would never be the same. So that was the idea of continuous change. It's always different. And you can pay attention to that and notice what's And happening. I like this thought of paying attention because she teaches people uh, and literally like the FBI, like surgeons, to pay attention by seeing things in the artworks and really, really, really studying them as well. And she was saying how, you know, we have conscious and subconscious filtering. So 
conscious filtering is when we're looking at things thinking, all right, I need to be more curious to notice things, but then that will move into your subconscious. So you become attuned to it and you're doing this without even noticing if that might be a right, the right way to speak about. So it goes beyond practice to normal. I suppose that's the encouragement then with all of this wonderful information and knowledge that we've been discussing around biases and filters, et cetera, is what's the action is pay attention, be aware that this is the case, that these biases and filters exist and, and just practice being conscious of them, being mindful of them as you're looking at things and as you're engaging with others, realize that they're doing the same. Well, John, that felt a bit deep and philosophical. I guess we are a, a bit of a philosophy podcast. Could have, but... been, a, could have been a long form episode there, couldn't it? I think we might need to return to this topic. To think that we could capture it all in 13 minutes is a bit Well, ambitious. look, I might try and get this lady on the show, but I'm also mindful we didn't laugh the whole episode. So hope we're not being too earnest. But uh... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Normal service will be resumed soon. Sorry, as we always say, stay curious, make stuff, have fun, play a lot, lot more, and most importantly, take life. Take life.